Hey there, listener. Fancy seeing you here. Look, sometimes due to the things we discuss on the pod, it might contain potentially triggering content. But the good news is you can always review the episode description for a full list of the warnings applicable to this episode. Oh, and just so you know, this episode is rated R for really filthy. It includes adult themes and explicit content. So if you're an adult, buckle up, gird your loins, and prepare to flood the basement. Because we are going down with these ships. Welcome back to Care of Magical Shippers. It's a Harry Potter ship culture podcast. I am Megs. (laughs) And I am Nathan. (laughs) And we are so excited. Like literally I'm like shaking in my chair because we are finally making our way around after kind of dancing all around to a bunch of different pairings, having a lot of fun um, with some rare stuff and some, you know, a little bit of some more popular things. But we knew after two years, it was time that we actually (laughs) took on Dreary because honestly, that's kind of where both, I mean, that's how I started with fan fiction and fandom was with Dreary as a ship. So where did, did you start with Wolfstar or where was your... I, I think I started with Wolfstar. Yeah. yeah, Wolfstar was sort of my OG, my introduction into the mm-hmm. into the fandom, um, and then it evolved from there. And yeah. we, you, well, we can talk about that. This yeah. is the point of this episode. Exactly. So, so yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't my initial uh, experience of dipping my toe in the water. Mm-hmm. But there's just so much to say. There's so much. Oh, to, gosh. We're not going to talk about it in one episode. We may not even just talk about it in two episodes. Yeah, we there, have no idea. <laughs> yeah. doesn't it just fill you with confidence listener to hear those words like mm-hmm. we have no idea we won't we don't really <laughs> see this ending it's just gonna be a drary podcast from now on um <laughs> this is care of magical drary shippers <laughs> oh it could easily be that way i mean it's just i think there's a dramione podcast so I don't know if it's still going or wow. what, or if they were reading fan fiction. I just, I know one exists. So that's cool. That's amazing for Dramione yes. shippers. <laughs> but we're going to do our best with however much time we want to, you know, give to this. So I'm excited. So I guess to like get things started, like exploring why we think that Dreary is as popular as it is. Like it's, I mean, gosh, it has... I don't even know. The last time I looked, like, 50,000 stories on AO3, it could be, like, it was just a crazy amount of works on AO3, which is awesome. And, like, every day, more and more and more keep getting posted. And there's so many, like, uh, fests. I mean, I feel like every other week there's a new fest. Like, one of the more recent ones, which I think is super cool, is the Dreary Disability Fest. So it's, like, focusing on characters, like, one of them having some sort of, like, mental or physical disability and having it not focus, having it not focus on like curing something like magical cures like actually like living with said disabilities and stuff like that and i was just like that is so cool i mean there's a there's just a ton there 
there's there's fluffy stuff there's you know trans dreary mpreg dreary um nice yeah you know M-preg like it's dreary just, for the win yeah exactly i don't know vampire dreary and there's <laughs> what what do you mean? I don't know vampire drary. I mean, I'm pretty sure you've written some vampire drary, haven't you? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I've written so much at this point that I don't even remember <laughs> half the stuff. But uh, but yeah, obviously drary. Even after, I mean, hell, we're here doing this podcast. Obviously, fandom is still alive and well. But drary is still very much the you know like. One of the number one ships of Harry Potter. And honestly, when it comes down to like even comparing to like other fandoms and what people ship, people love enemies to lovers. Like it's just they love the like the conflict and the buildup of a relationship and starting Mm -hmm. with, you know, the animosity, the hate or even just the, you know, snarky back and forth and then how like how you build up because that gives a lot of opportunity for especially long stories like to to actually give you chapter fic of like the progression and the slow burn of a relationship versus like you know if it was yeah not that you couldn't have like a long fic like ron and harry like those exist too and but it's like okay them figuring out that like yeah you're friends and then eventually like dudes you got to tell each other you know tell other that you love each other but it's like it's different when you're literally coming from especially draco who's you know seen as one of the villains of the series and there's obviously like from the beginning the biggest thing that uh people use a lot which is i mean there's just so many things between the harry and draco relationship that it's like plucking from canon that like okay this is going to be something that's impactful for their future relationship or whatever Mm -hmm. because there's like obviously the moment in the first book when he introduces draco introduces himself and of course extends his hand and wants to like become friends with the Harry Potter and Harry's just like nah that's okay and so then immediately Draco goes well fine like you know like he's just he's so mad about it and then all of a sudden he like instantly for whatever reason singles him out as someone that is worth hating and making their life miserable and it's like a mutual you know hatred and rivalry and stuff like that and uh and it's just for both of them through the series, you just can't help stop and say, wow, you think about each other way A too lot. much. Yes, <laughs> yes. There's too much going on here. I mean, it's not, it's an obsession for both of them. Yes. And I think this is where a lot of this comes from, is it's not a healthy amount of time. You know, we all, I think, at some point in our lives have experienced some level of animosity mm-hmm. however the level of time that they dedicate to the pursuit of each other yes. is lends itself so well to there being how shall i put this um extracurricular activities <laughs> going on uh at the same time because there's just especially by the time we get to book six i mean i know i'm jumping ahead here no, yeah. but you know harry spends a lot of time looking at Draco and being like, Draco looks really pasty. Draco's really drawn and he looks ill. And is like describing his hair, like describing the way his face looks, like describing his expression. Like it's like, okay, he could just look grumpy, but instead you're like, you know, I mean, just like really goes into detail. This person I was like, who's stopping and like, I'm really going to inspect this person (laughs) to that degree. It's just 
it's just it's funny when people will like screenshot or take pictures of different you know chunks of text and how like you know the how dreary is you know can be seen as like canon and the queer coding and all that stuff and yes it's just it's it's so fun like that's what makes fan fiction and fandom fun is even if it's like technically we don't have any founding for this actually being real we have the tools to like make it believable which is awesome so yeah well it's like Dumbledore even says, you know, of course this is all happening inside your head, Harry, mm-hmm. but why should that mean it's not real? Right. You know, this is what fandom <laughs> is. You know, it's happening in our heads, mm-hmm. but of course it's real because it's happening for us. Yes. And so, yeah, I know there's a, a, you know, a broader philosophical point to be made there about things being metatextual, but, you know, we're not, we're not a cerebral podcast. This is just us having fun mm-hmm. with these characters. You know, there is a point where you just have to embrace the fun of this and I think a lot of the reason why this continues to be such a popular ship is because realistically we see the books from Harry's point of view Mm -hmm. so of course anybody that Harry hates we focus we spend a lot of time on you know Harry Harry hates Draco and there's a lot of time spent on this Mm -hmm. and Harry hates Snape Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of time spent on that you know the, Which the, is exactly why Dreary and Snary were literally my two first ships. Like, it just was, I was like, oh, so this is just a different version, a little bit more problematic version of the enemies to lovers. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit problematic. A little There's bit. a massive age gap and he's his teacher, but what's yeah. that matter? That's, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, who cares? Some people care. I don't care. I think it's great. You're just like technicalities. <laughs> Let me just step right in. Yeah. Um, so, so I have a question for you, though, as a fan of both of these ships. So when did you discover that you were a Slytherin? Oh. Me. Was that before or after you discovered that you loved shipping Snarry and Drarry? Okay, so this is a funny story. So okay. back in, of course, it's like you look back and you're like, okay, you're quote unquote 11 when you're sorted into sure. whatever. Yes. So in yeah. in probably like middle school, high school, when they first started doing like the, you know, the, the house tests and things like that. Yes. And um, especially when like Pottermore launched theirs at first, like I yeah. was a Hufflepuff. Nice. So for the longest time, I was a Hufflepuff. So I would say I'm a Slitherpuff. Like I would say that I, you know, I'm on that um, yes. spectrum. But it was funny because I was like, oh yeah, I'm a Hufflepuff. That's just who I am. I had like Hufflepuff, you know, stuff. Like when I lived in Florida and I would go to Harry, you know, the Wizarding World, I would, you know, I had Hufflepuff stuff. Like that's just what it was. And it wasn't until nice. I joined the Fanatical Fix Patreon Discord server when people were like, are you sure you're a Hufflepuff? <laughs> and I was like, what? what does that even mean? I'm like, I don't know if I should take this as shade or what. And they're just like, no, you're just, I don't know. There's certain things or whatever. So sure enough, I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm going to retake the, like the official quiz. Sure. Yeah. And I swear I did it three times with three different emails. I made like three accounts and all of them were Slytherin. And so everyone, I was like, oh my gosh, you guys called it. Like, it's just, but I, but I, I am different than how I was when I was younger. I was very sensitive, very um, like worried about what other people, like what other people thought and putting other people before myself. Whereas like a lot of life experience 
and being kind of taken advantage of and stuff like that really kind of like molded me into be more independent and and being okay with like putting myself first and just like you know ambition and blah, 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 and all this stuff that I'm just like of yeah. course I'm a Slytherin like it's just at first you're of course like every like a lot of people are like oh I don't want to be a Slytherin because it has that bad you know reputation but it's like oh like maybe all the dark wizards or most of the dark wizards were in Slytherin but it doesn't mean that all Slytherins are bad and it's like there's certain traits that yeah. I definitely identify with and so I think that I was technically a Hufflepuff when I first started, you know, because like I listened to Fangasm and all those, you know, fan yeah. fanfics and then um, Fanatical Fix. And then I started interacting those when I started interacting with fandom back in, what is it, 2020 pandemic times. Yeah. And but yeah. I don't think it took long for me to be like oh, I should, I like, I'll take the test and see because for whatever reason it was like, that's why I made t-shirts actually because there were three Megans nice. in the server and all of us were <laughs> yes, Slytherins and they were, yeah, they were teasing me. They're like, oh, you're a Megan. You should be in Slytherin. I took the test. Sure enough, I'm a Slytherin. So I made the three of us shirts that literally says all Megans are Slytherins on it. <laughs> that's incredible yeah. yes i do remember the old megan's of slytherin's t-shirts but yes. i didn't realize that that was the context yes. so adding that was is perfect to me i mean i didn't realize that your slytherin epiphany happened that recently yeah i i kind of sort of assumed that you'd known you were a slytherin for a lot longer um I kind of have a similar story where whenever I was first sorted, I was a Gryffindor. Mm. And so, you know, I was pretty happy with that at the time because, you know, Harry was in Gryffindor, so that couldn't be a bad thing, right? And then when I... So then they updated their algorithms a couple of years later or whatever it was, and I resorted and I got sorted into Hufflepuff. And I was like, this is much more appropriate for me. Mm -hmm. I feel happier. Um, I was definitely all about friends and food and just (laughs) comfort and just... Just just that level of um, social fluffiness uh, yeah. and being there for people that I really... And I still... There's a, that's still a strong part of who I am as a person. Um, but then... So then I... Um, I think I went to uni and a lot of people were like, no, you're a stereotypical Ravenclaw. And I kind of balked at that because I was like, well... Obviously, no, that's the easy choice. That's mm-hmm. the sort of reductionist mm-hmm. path to go, Just oh, you're smart, you must be a Ravenclaw. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But then I I did the same thing you did. I took like three tests under three different emails and they all yeah. they all came back <laughs> Ravenclaw. So <laughs> I, yes, I, I'm now very proud of being a Ravenclaw, but it took me a while to get there because, you know, Lockhart was a Ravenclaw and, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a lot of... In much the same way as some people experience sort of internalized Slytherphobia when they first realize right. that they're Slytherins, I was going through some serious, you know, sort of Ravenclaw denial because I love to embrace my fluffy side so mm-hmm. much. But this is so long story short, we're both in houses that we didn't think we would yeah. end up in. And that's interesting to me because. As a Drarry stan, particularly, it's interesting to me that you gravitated towards these characters mm-hmm. of of Draco and and Snape mm-hmm. when bef- since long before you knew you were a Slytherin. Yeah. So what do you think it was? What do you think it was about them that you were like, 
were were you seeing parts of yourself in there or or what was it um well i just i just think that well yes yes i will say a little bit yes not that i think that i was like an asshole in school and you know or like mean to kids or anything like that no but But... i I don't think that okay let me just put a little disclaimer in here the vast majority of slytherins are lovely people yes like just because you're in slytherin does not make you a bad person yes there are just um Let's just say that that extremely problematic people have certain certain like trademarks, mm-hmm. and but I don't even want to say because if if you look at narcissism as a personality trait, like extreme narcissism, mm-hmm. you could say the same of Gryffindors or mm-hmm. Ravenclaws. You know, it takes so many different forms mm-hmm. that you know, sort of shoveling all of the quote unquote evil people into one right. house, as we know, is really reductive. But you said it yourself, like you evolve over time and you change as a person. Mm-hmm. So having this idea that, you know, all the bad wizards belong in one house is just Right. If if that were really true, that house wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. That, because it would it would just be too problematic. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so pretty much what I was like thinking it's funny you bring up narcissism because actually like at some point in my like growth of like I mean like mental health has been a huge part of my life and like driver for lots of different things as far as like good stuff and bad stuff and all that and so like narcissism was something that I was diagnosed with and it was just kind of one of those things that it's like there's no treating narcissism like it's not like there's a medication for narcissism there's not like you pretty much have to sit in yourself and and consider what are my actions doing to other people like you have to think about right. what yes. you're doing and how it affects other people versus very empathetic people and empaths are very which i feel like i was one of those people very sensitive when i was younger and that it was it, i realized that i'm like oh i was doing a lot of really selfish things because i just wanted to do it and it was i didn't it didn't matter sure. what happened to other people um but you know through therapy and other stuff like i didn't know i was bipolar it wasn't until i did all of those you know testings and things like that so i do have like you know medication and therapy help to like get me where i'm at now and sure. so it gave me those yeah. tools to like better myself so I did have a point in my life where I was definitely making poor choices and affecting people in negative way and I'm not proud of that time so I think it's the the idea of the redemption of a person is so appealing whereas like that's really popular when it comes to Draco to Snape and even some people do to like you know it seems impossible but it's like people will do it to Voldemort or Tom Riddle Tom Riddle's characters or things like that or any of the Death Eaters Lucius Malfoy you know it doesn't matter what the character is or even what the fandom is if it's like okay what is the reason behind this person's behaviors like a lot of stuff could be impacted based on like a lot of people play off of Draco's dad Draco having all these high expectations of himself and like Lucius being a really like strict or even abusive father um yes. you know be that emotionally physically whatever so even though he obviously wants to make his father proud it's because that it was like drilled into him that he needs to care that much like he needs like and and drilled into him that he is better than people that he is like you know superior to which really very much was like you know a 
a a learned behavior like how his you know environment was so it's like with with fan fiction and stories like even rewriting canon as it is like what are ways that draco can relearn you know like like new behaviors and realizing wow what my parents have done to me is really a disservice and I've become a person I actually don't like you know like it's it's realizing yes. that moment that you're just like I don't like who I am and that's not okay and I need to figure out how to change that and for Draco it's usually very like stubborn in the like you know he might be trying to get on the journey but he's not going to own up to it sort of thing especially when yeah. it's like when Mr. Hero Harry Potter's coming in and like Draco we could be friends or like or I'll help you and whatever and he's just like no I could you know whatever I don't I don't need your pity or your sympathy or anything like that and so that's a big thing too is like there's there's a lot of stories with Draco specifically making him super vulnerable someone who realizes his faults and wants to you know and is redeemed in some way or especially like even though he you know went into people will say that Draco went into the Death Eaters because he was forced but really we see him in what is it? The sixth book, like bragging to his friends about like, Absolutely. oh, I was picked yeah. for this super special, you know, thing like I'm doing better things. Like even though he got scared later on because things weren't working out. And of course, then his mortality was <laughs> at risk of him being yes. like, shit, if I don't do this, because at the beginning, you I mean, 16 year old Draco is probably like, hell yes, I'm going to kill Dumbledore. You know, like it just yeah. it's probably just what what happened. But for him to, you know, people love like the, the sixth book is a huge pivot point when it comes to writing fan fiction in school. Like it's like six, right. six, sixth year. And then, of course, the, like eighth year, we'll get to eighth year fix. But um, so with sixth year, with obviously we talk about the obsession aspect, Harry constantly like Malfoy's up to something, you know, yes. <laughs> yes. watching his name on the Marauders map, like map, like some you know, like literally obsessed person. And yeah. uh, and like, oh, where is he going? And he's doing something in the room of requirement and I need to stop him and blah, blah, blah. And, oh. oh, it was definitely Draco that poisoned. It was definitely him with the necklace, which was true. But of course, the whole time they're just like, Harry, oh my God, like you just, you can't get this kid out of your head. <laughs> it's just- I, you know, when I whenever I think back to what I was doing during my levels, it was nothing that... Um, that nothing that dramatic you mm-hmm. know it was just I, think I was trying to get through them as best as I could and it was a very difficult challenging time there were like we read the books now and we go oh Harry and Draco being so dramatic mm-hmm. it was a very dramatic time I can remember doing my French A-level paper my um my sort of listening exam where you'd have the little so so I'm aging myself here so um, <laughs> so so uh, these were cassette decks that you used to have to like put the tape in mm-hmm. and press play and then you'd have to transcribe chunks of text you'd hear them and you'd have to transcribe it as it was happening and I just remember there was a moment like whoever was speaking was going so quickly there was a moment in my exam where things were going so fast that I paused the tape and all you could hear, like I wasn't making a noise, was, was the like the silent plopping of tears onto my exam paper, oh, and you could no. see you could see the the like where it was warping slightly mm-hmm. because the, like it was going all blotchy, and I was like, oh no, this is so terrible. And I mean, that was what I was going through in the equivalent of my sixth year. And so I just think 
you know, for for you know Draco Draco to be considering murder, and for Harry to be obsessed with whatever he might be plotting, it's it's overblown and it's overdramatic, yes, but it's tapping into something that is very real, which is that a lot of people at that time feel the pressure of, okay, I need to do well, otherwise I'm not going to uni, or I, I, you right. know, I need to do well, or I'm not going to advance to the next stage of mm-hmm. what it is to be a responsible adult. You <laughs> yeah. know? Um, and so, so it is a very real pressure. And I think out of the sort of pressure cooker of that environment, it is very possible to throw these characters together and have them interact in a way that we hadn't seen mm-hmm. previously you know up until book five it was all very like my father <laughs> <laughs> yeah quidditch stuff and like oh i like yeah it, when he was made a when draco was made a prefect and you know at the beginning of that that was definitely a a big thing because of course he's like oh potter didn't become weasley did like oh so obviously you're less and then we start getting you know, Harry having his issues of literally working through some narcissism yeah. of being like, why Ron and not me? Because even Dumbledore's like, you want to know why I didn't pick you? And he's like, I thought you had enough to do. And Harry's like, oh, OK, that's 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 valid. That's valid. So it's like, <laughs> oh, I was also, just too busy. But otherwise, I definitely would have been. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yes. No, but also in that moment when Dumbledore says, you know, I thought you'd have enough on your plate or whatever it was, Dumbledore's crying and Harry is so narcissistic that he cannot deal with other people's emotions. He's just like, I don't know where to put my face. I could see that Dumbledore's eyes were wet and it was making me really uncomfortable. Mm Oh my god! I just, I was just like, oh Harry, please, please develop some basic empathy, please, for other people. Oh yes, but in some ways, I can see why that why people feel that this these qualities in these characters would lend themselves well to a more dynamic relationship because they both have so much development to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only because Harry has a pretty good support network around him that, as a wizard. Um, that he doesn't have access to as a muggle, right. that he's able to make the good choices, that he's able to feel supported into, you know, doing the right thing, being in the right place at the right time, being the, 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 what does Snape call him? That you've been, you've been raising him like a lamb for slaughter. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like being that that sacrificial sort of pawn in Dumbledore's game of chess, um, and it's only because he he has that extensive network around him. I mean, if we look at Draco, yes, he's an incredibly uh, narcissistic self, I was going to say self-motivated, maybe even self-delusional would be the mm-hmm. the, the right word. He, he has a, a very overinflated sense of ego. Yeah. Anyway, and he's an incredibly problematic person. We know he makes snap value judgments about Hermione mm-hmm. as an example. Um, he, he, has all of that that he's battling against. However, he is very much a product of the environment that he finds himself in. Not that this is an excuse for his behavior. Right, exactly. But it does set up why he has such a a journey to make if he wants to make that. Right. And in some fan fictions that I've read that were sort of Drury-centric, he does become, and I think this feeds into your eighth year idea, he does become that more sort of self-reflective, 
character that needs to do that growing before he can feel comfortable with himself. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we can all relate to that to a degree. I mean, I never had to wrestle with... Um, any murderous feelings in my, <laughs> my A level uh, classes, but but you know they were a hard time. Mm-hmm. I can remember being at school and making some really crap choices that I regret now, mm-hmm. and the, the things that I did that I'm not proud of. You know, I think we all look back at that time and go, "Oh my goodness!" You know, it <laughs> yeah. was really it was it, a lot of this was just the product of a hormonal cocktail of what the is going on here, you know? Um, So, you know, we've all done things that we're not proud of. The question is, um, do you believe that Draco is somebody who would grow up to question that? Or do you think that he would just double down on his behaviours and continue on as he had been doing? Did the war change him? Or did did he want to continue on that sort of idea of the Malfoy lineage? Mm -hmm. I think a big part that like I pull from is the fact that near the end obviously the Malfoys make a decision that Draco's more important you know like it's like the whole time Narcissa's worried about you know worried about Draco and even just like in the movies how they portray how like you know frazzled Lucius is and how worried they are about Draco and them just being like we're leaving it doesn't matter we're together sort of thing I don't care what happens to anybody else And um, that could be a collective Malfoy growth experience of them being like, okay, what I thought mattered before and us being put into like a mortality situation of like all of our lives at risk. And it's also very, it's still into the selfish realm of like, oh, me and my family. We see a lot of that too. Like, oh, you're wrong because this attacks me and my family's values. And it's like me and my family are more important than the greater population of other people because, you know, but that does, you know, that does offer them some opportunity to grow as well as like sometimes with Draco, like if Lucius is obviously, you know, post-war, like how accountable are like the, the free, you know, Death Eaters, like you would assume like obviously Lucius would go to Azkaban and possibly Draco. Like that's another thing that a lot of people play with of like, oh, does Draco Draco go away? And then the horrors of him reliving, you know, right. the, the choices he made in Azkaban, like if the Dementors were still there and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, or does he get off because... You know, usually like Harry has something to say like, oh, he was, you know, he was just a kid or in the end, like he didn't, you know, decide to like kill Dumbledore or whatever. Like for whatever reason, like a lot of times they give that the opportunity to be like, so then when it comes to like eighth year, like if Draco were to go back and obviously finish school, like same with Harry and everybody else, a lot of that is that then Draco gets um like let off like either like probation or just doesn't go to Azkaban for whatever reason he's excused mm-hmm. from you know from the death eaterness and is able to go to school so yes. um but it could still be you know probation and things like that like has have someone check in on him he has to keep his grades a certain you know about a thing he can't get into yeah. trouble that sort of stuff knowing McGonagall being you know headmistress like what she's yeah. going to put into place over something Dumbledore would you know I could see that being a thing but uh, but that could be him being like what was it I think with uh um oh we read it my the he- heal me <laughs> 
super yes. smut fest that we read. If you haven't heard that, by the way. <laughs> the Draco Tops Harry. <laughs> uh, if you haven't heard that and you want to have a laugh or you want to laugh with us, because we laugh a lot in that recording, because um, it's great, uh, go onto AO3 mm-hmm. and look for our um, Heal Me. Uh, and it's a... Uh, what is it? It's a pod fic that we did together. Um, and we yes. decided... Yeah, live a live read, like unedited, like nonsense. But it was for Draco Tops Harry Fest. So, of course, I was like, okay, like you didn't have to smut. Like just being like, okay, the dynamic behind it was like, you know, that was just you had the intention behind their dynamic. But yeah, I took things way beyond I re- what I realized. Like you write shit. Like you write shit. And it's just like, oh, yeah, like that was, you know, hot or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then you... <laughs> You'll read shit, same thing. Then you read it aloud and you're just like, oh my God, my entire body is tense. My cheeks are on fire. I cannot believe these were words that came, like my fingers typed these words and this is, you know, and it's like, I know it's like good, but still at the same time, like it's just the fact that it wasn't just like the, you know, like me reading it or just you reading it. Like same thing when you and Fee did like for my birthday read one of you know one of my stories for me and like your live reactions to each other it's like when you're reading smut together like (laughs) there's something there's can i just say there's a special bond that forms whenever you read smut together as friends that 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 there is no substitute for uh i think this is why we're so close as friends is that we We are prepared to go to places and and levels that other friends just won't go. Um, It was fantastic. Those, um, I think both of those recordings are available in AO3, or it might just be Heal Me. Did, was the other one ever uploaded? Yes. I, yeah, I don't think you guys ever uploaded the, the boy who lived. The boy who loved. The boy who loved. (laughs) I totally know my name, my own story. (laughs) I just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well we can we can look at uploading that maybe yeah. as a um <laughs> we the thing is the thing is the both of these recordings are incredibly explicit so if you do want to go and enjoy those um they are well um they're available with caveats mm-hmm. don't listen to them if you're not into smut because yeah. there's a lot of it in there and it's very well written um and some lines still when i think of them make me want to burst out laughing because they're so good <laughs> they're so good um but yes uh slight tangent but yeah go and enjoy uh, at least go and enjoy heal me if you haven't already and we'll look at uploading the boy who loved as well possibly yeah if you're all right with that (laughs) yeah no i'm fine with that's up to you and fee i'm sure okay yeah i'll 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 ask fee and we'll see we'll see what happens yeah um anyway back to drury Yeah. So anyway, so in regards to Heal Me, like the part of the reason, like what I wrote as far as um, like Draco's character point of view was that, yeah, Harry spoke. I'm I mean, I'm pretty sure this is what I wrote. I mean, I read a shit ton of Trary, so it's like everything blends together. But I'm pretty sure that I wrote it being that like Harry spoke up for, you know, Draco and he was able to get off. So then he went back to school. Yeah, I think you did. I think I remember this. And then that was like where McGonagall was trying to like actually get people to like, you know, like interhouse unity more so like the eighth years, like, okay, we only have so many people that came back and we're not going to separate you into houses. So then 
people were like given roommates. So of course, Harry and Draco are roommates because you know McGonagall's just like you. <laughs> this is you know you need to grow from this. If like if we reached a point of trying to make for a better future, like you and Mr. Malfoy, Malfoy need to get your shit together. <laughs> But this is clearly like, <laughs> yes, I see this from a logical point of view, but this is also you clearly just leaning so hard into the, there was only one bed. Exactly. Like, I mean, there were two beds, but they were two twin beds. They could have been close, you know, smushed, just, smushed together. Just smushed together. Yeah. yeah. But it was just one room, two boys, you know, stuff happens. But uh, so, yeah, so the, yeah, the whole time was, and then Draco was focusing on learning um, and studying healing because he wanted to yes. make a positive impact on, you know, society versus all the harm he had done before. So that was him trying yes. to self-reflect and self-grow, you know, to, to, to be different because even though he still resents Harry for like speaking up for him and he just he doesn't he's like we're never gonna be friends like I just that's not a goal for me I don't care this is I'm just moving forward and doing my thing to try and you know so then of course Harry's like trying really hard to be friends and yeah. all of that and so but uh but yeah so it eighth year is very popular um because obviously most of the people don't you know go seventh year um, or because seventh year was so terrible for the people that did go, they redo seventh year because obviously what they yeah. learned from all these Death Eater professors was very questionable versus like, were they actually prepared for their NEWTs? I don't know. I don't, I'm not quite convinced in that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I can't see Professor Tofty going, excellent use of the Cruciatus curse there, Gibble. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice. And then also, as another side thing, people love eighth year because usually they're over 18. So as far as comfort factor yes. of if you're going to write smut, especially for students, they're, you know, it's it's adjacent to like university, you know, type of thing of like, okay, yes. everyone is of age, even though obviously that doesn't stop anybody from, especially seventh, you know, seventh year, like 17 we see as you know, like of age for Coming Wizarding age World. For so most people yes. don't even bat an eye at 17 and whatever. But we all know what peeps get up to at whatever ages. Like we like, <laughs> we know it's not out of, you know. But uh, so that's that's a very popular thing for anything school related, like school dynamics of like being students and like crushes and, and rivals mm -hmm. and things like that. And and like whether like, oh, do Draco and Harry go back to the Quidditch teams or like Harry decides to, but then Draco realizes like it doesn't matter that much or he's still because of what happened with um, the fellow Slytherins, like he's still looked down on even by his housemates because he was one of the few that like that we know of that joined, you know, joined the Death Eaters and yeah. things like that versus, you know, so I just... uh then of course there's his trauma of losing one of his you know best friends regardless of like the, exactly the yeah. hierarchy of whatever of actually losing someone close to you i mean everyone lost somebody so the trauma aspect that everyone has post-war is huge and that it that also mm -hmm. is reflected in some of our quote-unquote villain you know characters and things like yeah. that so it gives that opportunity to be like oh this person is human too. They're not just like this asshole that I, sh you know, that 
doesn't deserve good things. Like everyone has the opportunity to grow and become better. And like you said, it doesn't excuse what they did before. But if they want to learn and grow, give them that opportunity. Like that's, you know, that's where it's like canceling can be so like toxic and dangerous for someone when it's like, we just need to have conversations. Like there's plenty of people who just are just ignorant, like just like they literally don't know better. But once we are educated and informed, then we can grow from that. But just by shutting someone down and saying, oh, this is the way you think, like you're done. Like no, no, you know, no forgiveness sort of thing. It's like it's really sad that that's kind of the thought process for a lot of people because we... We need those people to learn. Like we need these people to like have the conversations and grow. That's the Mm -hmm. reason not just being like, okay, you're done. Like you're done. You're done. You know, like you don't matter. Mm -hmm. You're just, you're letting that person sit in what they, you know, whatever. And it's difficult to do that, especially with a child that still has so, you know, they're literally still developing you know even as a young adult you're still developing you're you're not set in your thought processes and there's there's no age limit on education Mm -hmm. we're all still learning all the time and not one of us no matter what side of this debate you're on has all of the answers Mm -hmm. so the only thing you can do is try and accommodate as many perspectives as possible Mm -hmm. to glean from that um a sort of a a multifaceted approach to things and a way forward through these very complex issues that doesn't feel reductive or dismissive of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get very worried when we're quick to write people off um, who haven't had the opportunity to understand why mm-hmm. the choices they're making are not conducive Mm -hmm. to anybody's happiness right you know at the end of the day we recognize even as fan fiction writers that whether it's a planet you're sharing or a space that you're creating your characters or your or people have to share that space and there has to be a certain element of yes you know we're taught in English class or wherever that drama is the center of all good writing Mm -hmm. yes that's true but the but the reason that drama and conflict is the center of good writing is usually because eventually we get to a point where through empathizing with the characters, mm-hmm. we see it from their perspective. That Like the empathy is the key thing there. Like often there's a miscommunication that happens mm-hmm. or even in the case of Draco and Harry where they met really early on and then just because of that initial altercation, things went down a very specific route Mm -hmm. you know that could have been very different um and i think we get we kind of get a flash of this between uh scorpius and albus Mm -hmm. then when they go to hogwarts um and it might be worth examining how that kind of parallels Mm -hmm. the the drary isms to some degree if we want to talk about next gen because uh, that might... Oh, we will. We have to... Yeah, like, uh, Scorbus will have to happen, obviously, because it's like Jerry Jr., but different, because obviously the characters are slightly different and obviously either going sure. off of Cursed Child or just they're a name that we want to play with, like, is it's super fun, too. So it's always like, you know, especially when it's like, oh... 
obviously your dads had a thing for each other and maybe it never <laughs> happened, but you know, obviously there's a reason why you're drawn to one another and things like that. But but yeah. Do you think um pensives are capable of holding not just memories, but things that characters fantasize about? Because I'm wondering if Ooh, Harry Or like dreams. Ever... You know, like like yes. dreams. I think because if yeah. it, if it's something that your brain like registered like especially like you know even if you're dreaming like you're seeing things i feel like you could probably tap into your dreams or like even like a memory of sitting in class literally daydreaming about whatever and yeah that would be uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be really i'm trying to think i feel like i read a fan fiction like that where it was like someone like either Draco or Harry was like fantasizing about the other person and was putting said memories of the fantasies like in a pensive and then returning to them over and over again essentially when they wanted to get themselves off and then the other person found out about it or discovered it and was like oh you're into this and turns out I'm exactly like your fantasies because that's how it works out <laughs> yes that's how real life works folks I'm totally a dom like yeah Harry's absolutely yeah. a dom and has this you know BDSM kit in his closet like just but he's never done it with anyone else only with Draco He's been waiting for this opportunity of like, oh, everyone else, it's like, whatever, but uh, whatever. He's been um, <laughs> waiting to harness yes. the full potential. Mm. Yes. Mm. Uh, hmm. Yes. Well, I just remember uh, you, you mentioned Fanatical Fix earlier. Mm -hmm. They definitely did an episode early on where it was a Drarry episode and um, I... I think it was Drarry anyway. Uh, Draco was picking Harry up outside of the, the Gryffindor Tower uh, window. He had this broomstick and they flew off a la Aladdin. Um, but it was, it, it was a special broomstick in that it uh, sat two people and it, um, there was, it, this was a vibrating broomstick. So things, I was going to say, I was like, it's vibrating. Yeah. 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 It was a it was a uh, an interesting moment in the podcast, a great episode, and it was one of the things that sold me on Drarry as a concept <laughs> because I hadn't seen the uh, the sort of Aladdin um, similarities there uh, until until they were sort of laid bare in front of me, and I was like, oh yeah, actually this works, so maybe I just really want to see it working. <laughs> Oh, my cheeks hurt. Now, of course, I just like, I mean, th the joke comes back of us like, why do we always have these Disney references? But it's because they have all these tropes that then they use, but also like other stories use and whatever. And now I exactly. definitely want someone to make like an animatic music video or like, you know, like wizard rock jam of like literally Draco and Harry singing a whole new world. But like, you know. That like their version sort of thing, which is funny. <laughs> or like Harry is literally showing Draco like the world of like beyond the Death Eaters and like you know things like that. Like I could yes. totally see Harry singing that to him, and then I just see like Draco all like <gasps> mouth open, surprise, sparkling silver eyes in the in the moonlight and the. I mean, it's just. Oh my gosh. I just But also oh Harry just God. getting really into it and going, Don't you dare close your eyes. <laughs> 
I just, oh my God, I love that visual. I just, oh my gosh, which that also, hey, another fest that's going on that people are making works for, um, what is it right now? Are, uh, what is it? Elsie, uh, yeah. Elsie Drury, which is Light's Camera Drury, whereas people put in prompts based on either books, movies, TV shows, whatever, and essentially it's like it could be a crossover or it could be inspired mm-hmm. by this medium or, you know, it's literally, yeah, like it just, it's, that's the perfect opportunity for all those like, whoops, I hid my bike. <laughs> Um, all the opportunities for those like we're getting very excited AUs and the and and I'm like oh my gosh there needs to be an Aladdin you know <laughs> Jerry yes, that does I just now of course I, yeah, I'm I picturing just, I think... Draco in Jasmine's outfit and he's got his long blonde hair and he's just so extra he's just <laughs> see but you see I in this context I almost picture Harry as the Jasmine huh. because I see I see Draco. Uh, in this instance, as as being his sort of ticket into the wizarding world, mm-hmm. uh, supposing that he doesn't have Ron or Hermione in this right. universe, and Draco is just showing him round, literally, and being like, your eyes are so open to this wonderful realm of fantastical new possibilities, mm-hmm. and it's all going to come through me and my vibrating broomstick. <laughs> Okay, so what was I? Oh, oh, so playing off of the eighth year and onward, kind of like I was saying, people yes. like writing them 18 plus, blah, blah, blah. So then um, post-war, obviously in general, is super popular. Mm-hmm. Um, be that like future, you know, five, ten, whatever years in the future, a really popular trope is like, you know, dads in love. Like they had their families, <laughs> like Harry and Ginny had their kids. Um, Draco and Astoria had Scorpius. Like they had their lives. And then for whatever reason, like things didn't work out between Harry and Ginny or, you know, for Draco and things changed. And then all of a sudden they were, you know, single, obviously. And then people are trying to get them to like acknowledge that they always had something for each other, like, you know, over yeah. time. And so I do always love that, like, Harry from an er- like early on stage or even just like, you know, he gets with Ginny that people could, you know, argue like, oh, it's like, you know, high school sweetheart. And then you just continue mm-hmm. with that, whether it's right or wrong for you, because in the moment you're like, this is real. You feel like that's that's your feelings are valid in the time, but it can also it can go forever or for a lot of people right. it doesn't. Um, so once we talked about people changing over time and it's like, we don't know who it's, whether you grow together or you grow apart. So that's kind of, you know, the aspect of them usually growing apart because, you know, be that a lot of times it comes down to Harry and, and not dealing properly with all his trauma, you know, like he just going through right. the war, losing all the, like anyone that he had any sort of connection to, you know, as far as like. Uh, like Dumbledore, uh, uh, Remus, and Sirius, and mm-hmm. and his parents, obviously, well before, like, he was left with, you know, he still has a family in, like, Hermione and Ron and the other Weasleys, and, um, and Hagrid's another person that obviously is really, you know, important in mm-hmm. his life, but it's still, like, losing people like that that you expected to always be there is really, you know, is obviously really hard, and wizard therapy doesn't 
exist you know (laughs) even though i love when people write in mind healers you know like literally like especially hermione i love when hermione's like harry seriously like you need therapy ron finally went and he's doing great and like you know and i if it if i haven't been through it or whatever like there's nothing wrong it comes down to the same thing in real life or in you know in the wizarding world stigma of like especially for men feeling like you have to be strong enough to carry your burdens on your own and not you know offload those on to other people because that would show you know weakness but it's like you're really doing right. yourself a, a disservice in your mental health like you're you're making your life harder and and like you're miserable you know like it's just you carrying those things on your own is never like people want to help you. People want to be there for you. It's just you, you, you think that it's it would be cruel to offload your pain onto someone else, but really, it's like it, you know, it it just lightens your load. And then, and relying on people who know how how to help you deal with those feelings, you know, like it, it, it just right. so that. Um, yeah, so I've also read like Draco is a mind healer. Like Harry finally went to go see a doctor and then ended up being Draco for whatever reason because he's obviously did. a mu- like he's obviously a, <laughs> a like an expert when it comes to healthy Because Draco has no issues. Draco is a centered <laughs> together human being who has all his ducks in a row. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, exactly. So it's just and and that's another thing too. It's it's fun we're we're get all given the opportunity to literally make them as in character or out of character as we want. You know, like we talk about fanfic <laughs> yes. Draco and how like extra he is and his leather pants and his whatever, you know, like it's but then there's also still like self-hatred. Um I, I, there's still the Draco that's very very dark and still um very bigoted and you know, you see a lot yeah. of those things and his growth is very different and in various stories as well as like maybe he doesn't grow enough but it's enough where harry can live with that you know or like they can coexist in a way that's okay mm-hmm. understanding that draco either thinks and feels the way he feels about certain things like maybe he will never be comfortable around hermione you know it's just it's just one of those things that i'll tolerate her because she's your friend but you know like it's just like that's 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 toxic for a relationship but it's realistic in you know a fan fiction sense of like yeah. none of these stories are meant to, like i mean it's like it's nice for especially the fluffy stuff like you would love this to be real life but a lot of the fun stories that are are really complex and dramatic like you said with drama like nothing's going to be perfect and of course even though I, like in real life if harry was my friend i'd be like you do not need to be in a relationship with someone who is prejudiced against your best friends. You know, like, like yes, that was, you know, like course. I had a friend who was dating someone who was racist and obviously like had a, you know, a a person of color as a friend and things like that. Like it yes. just, oh, like it's just, it's, you wouldn't in real life want to support anything no. like that. But this is fiction and you're just like, you know, I mean, so... I just I love the opportunity for Draco to be still this very like kind of why I like Snape so much too. Like like it's it's hard to make Snape fluffy. Like you can still give him his redemption, but he's still going to be kind of like um <laughs> I want to say crunchy, but I know that's not the right <laughs> word. Like he's still going to like be pr- 
prickly, I guess. Like he's not going to become all of a sudden like like Mr. Nice Guy or anything like that. But you can understand his character. Whereas with Draco, we can kind of get all aspects of like him all of a sudden right. becoming a very like positive person in the wizarding community or like him you know being the the driving force for like wizarding you know queer like exposure and stuff like that like there's just there's a lot of opportunity with these characters but at at the end of the day it comes down to we love enemies to lovers (laughs) (laughs) we love it so much (laughs) (laughs) and for that to work you have to have been invested in them in the idea of them being enemies and we see that you know we've seen that right the way through there's been all this development over seven years or six or seven years however you quantify that Mm -hmm. so that there is this huge um build up to that relationship to then pay it off with something else to take it in another direction and go actually all of this animosity that was building up between these characters can be used in a different way because guess what people grow up and people learn to deal with their feelings in a way that kids don't Mm -hmm. like when you're when you're a child, you're inherently more selfish. You're inherently more self-centered. Because sure, it, it, like even the most empathetic of us are, you know, we're at that age mostly only focused on ourselves and what we want to do. And like after you've been through a traumatic war, both of these characters are going to want to be doing some amount of Mm self-examining. And if they aren't, then that's worrisome. Um, So, you know, maybe McGonagall's right to throw them together Mm -hmm. in a a dormitory and see what happens. I mean, I think if she was... We talk about Dumbledore being twinkly-eyed. That's what happens. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We talk about Dumbledore being twinkly-eyed, right? But I think McGonagall, even more so, it's just like... I know exactly what these boys need. Oh, you guys are going to be the best pals after this year. Like, uh, no, mm. they're just going to be fucking each other's brains. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, that's, that sounds like a good place to leave yes. this one today. <laughs> so I feel like we did a lot of Draco diving in this episode. So I think yes. for next episode let we'll let's focus on like harry's side of things because i mean we talked about right. him a little bit but i think we were definitely like really focused on like the slytherin why you know who do we think draco would become and them and whatever so i think it'd be fun for us to look into the harry aspect of things and how he sure. would you know fit into this dynamic and things like that how but. does a hero go to bed with a villain <laughs> very easily <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> With a great deal of happiness. Yes. Yes, yes happily. Just literally like, I, now I'm picturing the Little Mermaid when uh, when Ariel flops down on the world's like squishiest mattress. You know, when she's like, oh, I'm so happy brushing her hair and flops down in like this, like it's practically a waterbed at this point. Like it's like Tempur-Pedic meets waterbed. I don't Ironic. know. Ironic. <laughs> So, but, uh, but yeah, so obviously lots to be said about Drary. So we'll stop here for this week. So we'll have more for you, which is really exciting because obviously we're going to 
continue to have stuff to say. So we'll see after recording the next episode where we're at as Come far back. as do we need to do more? <laughs> we're going to need to do more. Yeah. I mean, we could have an entire podcast under our And yeah, I think we, we still, there, mm-hmm. there would still be deep dives to do. So, uh, yeah, tune in next time for Harry yeah. Deep Dive. Harry, um, Harry Dreary. <laughs> it's gonna be good come back for that yes we will see you next time okay love you all bye -bye. Bye. (laughs) awesome